Hey everybody, it's Katie here. Please enjoy this installment of The Mank Files, and then stay tuned after for our recap to refresh your memory. Can we talk about Twisted Faith? Oh yeah, sure. Okay. Was it you guys who sent me the thing? Recently? So well, the thing with him being the worm, yeah, the gu- yeah. worm guy, he does these TED talks in prison. It's very successful in prison. Well, that's what rehabilitation is supposed to be about. Yeah, yeah. So my favorite part of the episode is when you were explaining to Annette what a trust fall was, because she didn't seem to understand that it should not be done between her and the pastor, but her and her husband when if they were, they in were marriage in counseling, counseling to yeah. get. Yeah, it was, and she was just shocked. I felt very bad. She was very sweet and innocent. I felt very bad for all those women that were sort of taken in by him. Yes. Uh, I was very surprised at all of these women. He must have this charisma that is... This was a great book before it was a Dayline episode. Oh, really? Written by Greg Olson. The guy that was interviewed on the show. Yeah, great He was great. He was... I liked him a lot. He's done a lot of true crime stuff. It was terrific. You know, when somebody says to you, you know, hey, God has a new plan, and it involves you having sex with me. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking that here in Los Angeles, uh, you say, yeah, that's not yeah, going to happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, in and around uh, small town Washington State, uh, I don't know, maybe that had a little more currency. I- I'm amazed that anybody fell for that anywhere. Oh, yeah. Also, her husband stayed with her after she accepted the fact that God was telling her to drug their baby so that she could go have sex with the pastor. Right. So the husband is a very... Little Benadryl, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the husband stayed with her through that whole thing. Okay, first of all, why people stay with other people? First of all, the, the idea that, that, that infidelity or a mistake should cause you to forfeit the rest of your relationship is, right. a, is a debate that's gone on for a long time. Right. And I'm not taking a side here, but right. I certainly do. Drugging a baby is a little more. I than certainly that. do understand why people want to patch up their relationships and stay together sure. despite Absolutely. some terrible transgression by one or the other. Yes. Um, you know, the question is what's better for them and for their kid right. down the road? And maybe mm-hmm. it is to be together. It's a personal decision. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I do understand that. Um, I just will say that I thought what Nick Hackney was able to persuade people of was just astonishing. Yeah. Absolutely astonishing. Um, Yeah, it was... Do uh, you think he was persuading the mother-in-law of his dead wife to have sex with him, or was she sort of an equal partner in that? Oh, no, no, I I don't think there's any... I I don't think she was complicit. I mean, I think she's, you know, guilty of felony bad judgment. Yeah. That's about it. (laughs) We have to give her... Kimberly and I on our podcast actually spoke a bit about her giving... I can't believe she went on. I can't believe she came on and was and, interviewed. And, and this is admitted a, to that. She no, really, that's impressive. That's, I think it was impressive. And I, it's part of probably, I, I, it may very well have been part of her sort of personal rehabilitation. Right. I mean, it could have been. Have felt her, like, yeah. I did something that I shouldn't have Atonement. done. Atonement. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and I'm yeah, going to yeah. admit it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I didn't think about that. She probably, because it surprised me. I was like, oh my goodness. When, because that's a shocking moment oh, yeah. when that happens. Yeah. It's a, Jaw dropper. Yeah. What, did you know it was coming? Were you shocked? Oh yeah. No, I knew about. Okay. It. No, they, no, all right. Was, all right. I knew that was the story, and I, I, I was wondering how much I was going to have to ask about it before it came out. Yeah, that was um, me. Yeah, I, I yeah. wasn't. This is was, was long ago. Remember, it is. This story is years old. Yeah. yeah. Of course, I remember that pretty <laughs> so well. So good though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you remember Sandy Glass? So she's the one who had these prophecies. Right. But do you, like, you would do this little shade where you would say, God told her that she needed a new car, and it was a good car. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you she get met, to throw well, in this I'm little sass. I remember, we met with Sandy Glass. Really? producer and I, Susan <gasps> Woodwoods and I, met with. Oh, was, we only so, ever got to see a picture. We tried to convince her to go on TV and sit down, because we said, you know, this story is going to be. We said what we said. Everybody in that situation, which is this story is going to be about you, yeah, uh, to some extent, and it's going to be about things that you did and things that you're accused of doing and things that maybe you didn't do or that you have an explanation for. Right. And I will try and tell your story without your involvement. Mm-hmm. But you're going to like this a lot better if you're in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she thought about that, um, and um, but she ultimately declined. Um, one more question about Twisted Faith. Yes. Pastor Biley, when he tells you that he has people in Africa 
who are currently bringing people back from the dead, they cut away and we didn't get to see your reaction. Um, <laughs> was that on purpose? I, I, it was, I, I, I've got my arms out now. I mean, I, I, I'm like, okay. I mean, I mean, you know, I got no, I got nothing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was, well, that's how he said, right? He knew that. He knew that Nick was uh, guilty, right. guilty because he didn't want his wife raised said, from the dead. He did not oh, want his no. zombie wife. Yeah. So he said, yeah. right. You well, said, clearly, well, he, would, he said, sure, right? And he said, yeah. no way. <laughs> he said, no way. No, he didn't want to do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's always how you know that someone is a murderer when they don't <laughs> want the suspect, when they don't want yeah. the, the dead person brought back Brought back from the dead. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's the giveaway. It's so good. Do you want to go into Patreon Yeah, let's do it. We do you have time? Sure. Um, Amanda Moore wants to know how are cases assigned? Is it by producer? Do you ever want a case that somebody else gets assigned? Every now and then you do. Um, mm-hmm. you know, first of all, anything you've covered before, you're going to cover again. Right. So like when you're, there's any kind of follow-up to anything or any sort of ongoing story. I mean, Keith, I mean, when the Durst thing finally goes to trial, it'll be Keith because he mm-hmm. covered it before. Oh. You know, I did, you know, I don't know how many hours on the Michael Jackson cases. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I must have done 10, 11, 12 hours on that. Yeah. But, I mean, over the years. I mean, from like mm-hmm. 2003. No, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, how they get assigned frequently, it's just who is available at a different time. Because frequently we're all so slammed. And like they'll call and say, right. can you be in, you know, Chicago next Thursday? Because uh-huh. a case is, is going to... You know, the, the, there's just been a verdict, and we need to like start interviewing people right away. Yeah, and I'm like, I'd love to, but I'm going to be in St. Louis. You right. know, right. so so that happens sometimes. Um, we all have producers that we work with more than others. Um, although there's no law, I mean, anybody can work with anybody. But you know, there you know, there's about there's about a dozen producers out here in the West. Uh, there's a guy who lives in Sacramento. There's a guy who lives in Phoenix. A guy who lives in Oregon. There's a bunch here in LA, and so we tend to work with those people. You know, Keith and I tend to work with those people more. But we both have. I mean, I'm 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 about to start a, a story with a producer in New York who I've worked with before. So I mm-hmm. mean, it's a lot of it is who's available at the time that the story is assigned, and some of it is the partnerships that have developed over the years. I want to thank you both for having me on, and I also want to thank all of your listeners. Uh, because without all of you, we would not be what we are now, and we we count on you, and we appreciate it, and thanks for watching, and thanks for um, you know following us on social and all the other great things that you do, and all the people who came to CrimeCon, uh, including Claire, who was afraid to come up and actually <laughs> talk to me, um, and Lynn, who touched your hanky, and Lynn, who touched my hanky, and 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 <laughs> that was a little frightening. Frankly. Uh, I just want to say thank you to all of you, and we'll be on this Friday whenever this airs, and don't watch alone. So good. It was really Hi, exciting. Hi, everybody. This like... is Kimberly. <laughs> and this is Katie. Nope. Oh, we messed it up. Switch around. Go ahead. Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. Uh, so this episode is extremely special to me. It is called Twisted Faith. It is hosted by Baby Mankey. And it baby was. Baby Mank? Yeah. Why do you say he's a baby? Well, it was uh, eight years ago. He looks exactly the same, identical to what he looks like now. Okay. You're so kind. He I, does. I think he looks like a baby. Are you for real? Yeah. Oh, I didn't think that at all. Okay. He, it's April 9th, 2010, season 18, episode 32. And this is. Religi- reli- religiosity gone wild. Reli- religiosity gone wild? Yeah. My work husband, Greg, who's been listening to us, made a point to tell Katie and I that we were being very respectful about religion. I but wanted, he had one note. He did have a note that people that are, oh, I forgot what it was. Is it religious? Oh, it's You're exactly to... what you just said. Oh, That's shoot. why I'm laughing because what oh, you just said is what he, his note was. He didn't like religion as a whole. No, no, he didn't like the word religious. He thinks no, no, it's that they become like. Oh. He did. He said religious people don't like the word religious because they think it sounds dogmatic and like cultish. No, Christian people didn't like the term. Right, they think it sounds reli- dogmatic yeah. or extremist or something. They just like um, spiritual. They had a strong faith. Strong faith. 
That's what he liked. Strong but that, This is also his one opinion. I don't think everybody feels that way about the term religious. Greg is also the person who told me that he didn't date girls with curly hair because he found the curly hair confusing and he didn't know what to do with it. What are you talking about? He said that to me. Can I leave that in? Yes, you better. What you talking about, Greg? He said- What's he, confusing about curly hair? He didn't know, like, can he put his fingers in it? Like, can he touch someone's- I'm sorry, because it'll get stuck? What is he worried about, that it's like a bramble bush? Yes, that is exactly right, that it would get stuck. Yes. But then what happens? Then you just laugh, and it's fun, and it's cute, and your hair got stuck in somebody's wild hair. Well, he hasn't watched enough rom-coms where that happens, I guess. I don't think I've ever seen a rom-com where that happens. Where they're like, ah, my hair is so curly and knotted that your fingers got caught in it. Weirdly, the rom-com that came to my mind the minute you said curly hair, number one, okay, two rom-coms, but the first one that came to my mind was Forget Paris with Deborah Winger and Billy Crystal. Oh my God. (laughs) Does she have curly hair in that? Yeah, but clearly that's not the first one that I should have thought of. I don't know why my my brain went there. Clearly the Billy Crystal rom-com that my mind should have gone to is When Harry Met Sally because Meg Ryan has the curliest hair in that one. But for some reason, for me, I thought Deborah Winger. I was thinking it should be Sex in the City, even though that's not my favorite show, because I feel like they talk about her curly hair. That's because you're such a Samantha. Me? Sorry, which one's Samantha? <laughs> the slutty one. Uh, we're going to lose. We are about to lose listeners right now because of my lack of Sex in the City knowledge. Kim Cattrall is okay. Samantha. I am the farthest thing from Samantha. Oh, yeah. No, you're not a Samantha. You're a Miranda. Charlotte. Miranda's Miranda's real smart, right? She's a lawyer. Yeah, but Charlotte's kind of the prude. Okay, I got to think about this. What's Carrie? Who is Carrie? I think she's just whimsical with and kind of messy with curly hair. Oh, so I'm like a tall, sort of more masculine version of Carrie. I mean, you can plant, make yourself a Carrie. If Sarah Jessica Parker got stretched out and then got a deeper voice, that would be I'd be Carrie. Sure. I've tried to wear some weird stuff. This might be what the people on the iTunes reviews were talking about when they said that we go off on tangents a lot. Oh, okay. I'm stopping. I'm ready. All right. Show me the twisted faith. I Let's talk about this episode because I think people are going to be really... I don't want to oversell it, but it is probably one of the best datelines I've ever seen. So I just want to clarify. So because Sheila Davalu episode still stings a little bit that I built it up a lot and then you didn't love it. So this one you did love. It makes me feel really happy inside. I'm like, I'm joy joyous. Did you think I wouldn't love this? Well, you didn't love Sheila Davalu and I felt like I was on an, in the Twilight Zone where everyone has a pig nose, but I don't have a pig nose. And this episode, I was like, she has to like this. It's crazy. And then you did. And I was just so, so happy. It'll be like when I finally show you Buffy and you really like it. Oh, we better hope I like Buffy. I feel like if I don't like Buffy, our po- like that's when the podcast will end. People yeah, will be. Our friendship will be over. Yeah, that will be it. Let's get back. Let's get back to Twisted Faith because we got to cover this episode and we're we're on a timeline. Okay. And so, we're going to stick to it. Kind of. I love when you're assertive. So. This do you? I do. Oh, the phone. What's phone. that? It's a landline. I'm at my Who's aunt's house. Who's got a house. landline? My aunt. I'm at her house because of the Peter Pettigrews. Let's explain to our listeners what a landline is. A landline <laughs> is when you... Is there an answering machine? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I hope it's not a doctor. Why would it be a doctor? I don't know. What if it's a doctor with... You're pregnant. That would be really embarrassing. Like My, the, my aunt is pregnant? Wouldn't that be funny, though? Oh, it's just a, it's just a... This is why you should not have a landline and my parents need to get rid of their landline instead of complaining about how expensive cell phones are. They should just drop their landline because all they get is telemarketers. Okay, this episode, we're at 18 minutes in and we have not yet talked about the episode. It's all So let's go through this recap. So this episode takes place in Seattle. Supernatural, they called it. Super spiritual. That was my main key. So these people belong to a church, and they it's a very 
Um, see, I can't say the word religious because apparently that's offensive. What I was going to say to my work husband, Greg, is you said we were being fairly respectful towards religion and he appreciated that. I wanted to say, check back in with us after this episode. We said it. We we mentioned it, that there was, that we were doing this episode <laughs> yeah. that was heavy on the... So they're super spiritual. They believed in hearing messages from God and prophecies. They sometimes spoke in tongues. These are... This is a born-again Christian denomination. I don't know what it is. I don't think it's Baptist. I don't think it's... I, I don't know if it's a denomination of Christianity. I don't know. It's cray-cray town. It's... But they're very uh, they're very active in their worship. Yes. So when they worship, it's a lot of... Animated. Yes. So casting out the devil, calling forth the Holy Spirit, things like that. So yes. if you've ever been to a church like that... Um, I used to have a boyfriend who his family was involved in a church called the Vineyard. And I think that might be a chain of churches in Southern California or it might be countrywide. I'm not sure. But it that's very much um, hands raised when you're singing praise songs and then moving into the aisles, moving when the Holy Spirit moves Ooh. you to move and then speaking in tongues goes along with that. By the way, just a side note so we can go into this. Everyone pretty much knows, has listened to the podcast, that I grew up in a pretty strict Christian home. Yeah. This is the opposite of what my dad liked in Christianity. My dad wanted hymn books and hymnals. He thought that was all very showy. Yes. So no no hands raised. No. None of that. And your mom wouldn't, would seat. be like, why are these people making a scene? Correct. Okay. Dawn, who's this episode is about? Who's this Dawn? Uh, she's Dawn, four. go away. I'm no good for you. What it... Ooh, Dawn. If anybody out there feels me. I don't know what that, that is. Like a 60s song. Okay. About so, Dawn. Okay. Dawn was four years old when she accepted the Lord into her life. Really? And no, yeah, I don't. Yeah. No. She Leave would it. quote scriptures to her parents at four years old. Okay. Doesn't that just seem like something you're doing because your parents taught you to do it? Do you think she really accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into her heart at four years old? I don't personally think that, but I know that other Christians have stories that, yes, they did. I'm very cynical. It's Yeah. I mean, and most of the people I know were much older. You're looking at more, if you're a kid when you do it, you're looking at more like eight, right. nine. Right. But, okay, four. Is I don't it, know. And is it like event? Do they throw a party when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart? No, you get dunked in water. You have to choose that you've now accepted and then you get dunked in water? You come forward at church. So that's what most people do is they come forward. They have a, they, during certain ser sermons, they'll have a call at the end and you walk forward down the aisle and you accept Jesus into your heart. And it's a, like the church is excited for you. But like, if you haven't done it yet, would your parents be like nodding, like pushing you going, hey, you're, you're behind the neighbor's kid. Not except, good parents. Except soon. But it's a very strange sermon. Those sermons are always very heavy. And usually you cry because it's so that there's a, so at a four year old level, I'm not sure how that works. Gotcha. Have we mentioned I'm Jewish on this show? She, I'm giving you a lesson. I'm giving you I know, all I the really lessons. I know. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I really it. appreciate it. Yeah. I did not know all of this. So Dawn was sweet and funny. And here's your pro tip if you're a Dateline guest. I need you to say a specific story that shows that someone was funny because you can't just say they were funny and then Dateline shows a home video where they're wishing someone happy birthday. So I need you to say like, she was obsessed with two and a half men and I'll be like, oh, okay, she was not funny. Or she once, <laughs> she once like pulled my pants down in front of the whole school and I'd be like, oh, she was mean funny. Or like, oh, she once switched everything out in my apartment and put it upside down out on the deck and i'd be like oh she's funny she's a prankster funny a note to self what story am i going to tell to show that you were funny okay maybe just submit this podcast as proof except i'm not that funny on this podcast i didn't say it uh, some people say it so she <laughs> had a said. she had a some, i could say that some people said she was funny <laughs> on this podcast judge for yourself daylight listeners others thought she was too much. Others thought she was a bit much. A bit much. Thank Who said that? Sky. Oh, that's right. 
That's right. You're so bad at that still. I should never have told you that. I know. I don't know why you did. It was years ago. I know. It still hurts. So (laughs) she had a sixth sense. She would know when her best friend was up to no good and she would call her and be like, stop what you're doing. And she met Nick. She called him a knight. She said he was a knight. We will see how much of a knight he turned out to be. They married and he became a youth pastor. His sermons had people, he says, they open your prayer books and people are screaming like they're at a kiss concert. And he's like, get used to it, people. We are praising the Lord and changing lives. Like youth pastor. He's such a showman. Youth, youth pastors. And people are screaming like they're going to throw their. They wield tremendous power. Wow. So Nick felt like he was chosen by God, even as a child, because he was sick and his dad prayed over him. So he was taught at a young age that he was chosen by God. Then we meet Craig. Uh, what did you say? I was just, I was, I was just going to say we know who is actually chosen. Yes, me. Yeah, correct. Um, then we meet Craig and Annette Anderson, who we have differing opinions about. Craig and Annette, Apparently. who joined Nick's church, and they're very sweet and very soft-spoken, and I, okay, we'll get more into them. So okay. they start, sort of, say their opinions about what's happening with Nick. This is where, um, Josh, kind of, Josh Mankey gives some low-key shade that they suck at singing. He said they're him, you know, their hymnals and their voices. And he said, albeit somewhat off key. <laughs> he did. He did do that. Yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. So Craig and Annette love Nick. They said he was funny and fun. Again, I'm not getting that from the audio. And from the picture, he looks like a dude who plays Call of Duty in his mom's basement and drinks way too much fruit punch after the age of 40. So. But Craig and Annette say that he's the one. He's the one that goes to like the Arco and yes. then fills up the fountain cup with the Hawaiian punch. Correct. And then his mouth is always kind of red. Yes. Yes. Craig and Annette say that Nick and Don were a great young couple. But by 1997, Craig and Annette saw the church change. It became more separate from mainstream Christianity. They called it super spirituality. They said they were digging the demons out of you. And the nice laid back pastor that had founded the church had been pushed aside by this other pastor, not Nick, but this self-proclaimed apostle, Robert Biley. Okay, are we going to talk about him now? Well, if there ever was an episode where a side character should also have their own episode, it's Robert Biley. I would say Mickey was one. And Robert Biley was the other who Why? could totally have their spinoff episodes. Okay. Well, first of all, he's a self-proclaimed apostle. Well, first of all, why does every single self-proclaimed apostle or prophet look like Warren Jeffs? Mm-hmm. I just need, I need a breakdown and headshots. Actually, I need full body shots. No, you don't want, no one all wants. Of these, no all one of these wants. self-proclaimed apostles are, look to be six foot tall men very much on the thin side with a very chiseled thin face small glasses they all look the same yes that's true they're from the warren jeff school of prophecy what if that's what god actually looks like and is choosing men that are in his image i think god looks like titus andromachus (laughs) titus andromedon andromedon whatever his name is it looks like titus that's what god looks like to me um, Come on. Yes, with, no, like, I like robes. it. I love it. I yeah. love Titus. So his sermons, Robert Biley's sermons lasted for hours and people would speak in tongues. He was casting demons out of them full on exorcist style. You could be exercised for anything that you did wrong. If you went to a basketball game or a baseball game. Why, I'm not sure why. Why is a baseball game... It's America's sport. Did they say that as an example? They did. The We meet this author who wrote a book about the case, and he is sassy pants, and I love him. And he says, you could be exercised for going to a baseball game. I didn't yeah, know. good times. Is it the competition at the baseball games? Is it the tight pants? Is it the peanuts? Why is it so bad to go to a baseball game? The shouting? The shouting? The cursing? Are you cursing at the umpire? I, F you, you ump. You don't have to do that. 
That's not required. No. Children no, go to baseball definitely games. Not required. Oh, it's the beer. I think it's the tight pants. Right. They were pretty tight pants. Okay, so the church becomes more culty. They write down your secrets so that if you leave, they could spread gossip about you. Super shades of Scientology here. Yeah. So if you had, this is Annette and Craig are telling us that if you had what they called a demon of rebellion hanging on you, you needed to clean yourself and get rid like of those. Or, like organs. It's, is that Scientology? What are the things that hang on you? It's, Egons. Mm, organs. No. Thetans? Is that Thetans? No, that's, is that the bad people? The, in Scientology, we all have aliens hanging on us. And yeah, organs. I don't, is that Did what I, I say that already? Do yeah, I keep saying that? Okay, yeah. am I saying the same word? Yeah. I'm, am I just saying organs, but then changing the <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what they're called. We've, the, the unfortunate thing is we've had this discussion on the podcast before and looked it up and figured it out, and I still can't remember it. Darn. I think. Gosh, darn it. Okay, so we're not totally up on Scientology, but this is what Scientology has also. So now Mankey is, gets, he gets to show his very skeptical side. He asks Craig and Annette, why would you stay? You know, why would you stay? And they really felt like, A, they wanted to be close to God and be clean. And B, they knew how shunned they would be if they left. And the church could spread rumors about them. So members of the congregation believed that God spoke to them directly, but none more than the church secretary, Sandy Glass. Remember that name for later. I think her son is Jan's boyfriend, George Glass, from the Brady Bunch. George Glass. <laughs> was that surprisingly good? Is that why? It was Is that really... why you're laughing? I am I'm so surprised. So <laughs> Sandy Glass all we have is the picture, and the picture is super Uggs. Will we get one more shot of Sandy Glass so we can actually see what she looked like instead of some grainy surveillance photo or whatever we're getting of her that's like from nineteen seventy-three? She looks like a teenage david cassidy no we need a better picture because there's got to be we don't know we don't know what sandy glass looks like we have one picture of sandy glass and i did not do any research to look her up to see what she looked like outside okay so well i can't tell how old she is she looks about late 40s in the picture in 73 so is she 98 yeah what's happening i think so oh maybe you could be right, actually. That's... Is she an older lady? I don't know. Is Sandy Glass an, an elderly woman? I don't know. That's a really good question. Does she get a senior citizen discount at Chili's? I mean, no shame if she does. I'm jealous. Either that or she's, something's happening. Why is the phone oh my ringing gosh. again? Who is trying to call you? God. <laughs> Telling me that I am super sinning by saying all is these there, Is things. there a country song about God calling? Jesus called? Is there one? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can send you the I can post maybe I'll do it on Patreon. I'm gonna do it on Patreon. I'm gonna share the most special thing in the whole world on Patreon. What is that? It's is it... this video. It's a YouTube video and it's so amazing. Doesn't have the empathy to leave a short message. Is this what's called a robocall? Yes, it is. So. Was she running for a judge? Yeah, I don't know. By the way, I keep leaning on this table and it's making kind of farty sounds, but it's. Oh, please it's, tell me no. It's my arm on the table. Just I do not want to cut that out. Don't leave it. I don't care. So. Table farts yeah, for everybody. Table farts. All right. Continue so, on. Mank throws so much shade at Sandy Glass mm-hmm. and her hearing things directly from God. She was told by God that she needed a new car. So she got one and it was a good car. Oh, you've got to be kidding. That's what God Mank said. Says, I, need, I need an Acura. Yes. Here that, I go. That's what God told her. And Mank throws so much shade at it. I love it so much. She was visited by Angel Gabriel. 
And the guy who wrote the book about this case points out that Gabriel appears in the Bible like twice. He foretold the birth of Jesus. And then he talked to this lady, Sandy Glass, in Seattle. He was napping in between. He was at Coachella. He got really into ska music for a while. And then he came back. But I don't know what he did. Why did he only appear twice? And then the third time was with Sandy Glass. That's how special she is. Sandy was told by Angel Gabriel that there would be a huge earthquake in Seattle, and the church members stockpiled thousands of dollars of supplies and with their hard-earned money. And guess what? No earthquake. Wouldn't then you be like, okay, maybe Sandy Glass is I think, full of baloney. I think they felt like she had misheard the message or it was coming soon. Wait, they, who is she, though, in the church? She the is secretary. Just a- she is the church secretary. Okay. Yes, yes. Who also has a direct pipeline. She is the landline to God. Right. But her ear, her hearing's not that great, apparently. Like, right. may, maybe he said somewhere else instead of Seattle that there was an earthquake. I don't know. Um, Are there earthquakes in Seattle? No. So that's why you use a you Q-tip. Know. No, there aren't. Not yet. I mean, there's there. it could happen for sure. But, Are they on a, a whatever, a, well, a line? Well, they're a tectonic much plate? higher above Northern California. But still, when Northern California gets a big earthquake, I'm sure that, I don't know, Seattle might get aftershocks. I don't know how it works. But I don't okay. believe they've ever had a big earthquake. No. So... But a lot of – because of climate change, a lot of places are getting earthquakes that have never had earthquakes before. True that. Look it up. So um, – but that's what I'm saying. That's why you use a Q-tip, which is a tie-in to our Patreon story, our update, because we have a little story about a Q-tip. Did we talk about the Q-tip? Yeah, we did. You brought it up, my Q-tip Sorry. story. So David Cassidy's Sandy Glass hears something big from God. She is told by God – that Nick, the youth pastor, his wife Dawn was going to die and that Sandy was then going to be with Nick. She tells Nick this and he replies, I knew it. He knew. And he even tells sweet little Annette, I'm going to go through something bad soon. It's part of God's plan. Don't freak out, girl. I'm going to get through this. So he is super pumped about this prophecy that Dawn, his wife, is going to die. And then he's going to be with Sandy Glass. But Nick and Don's marriage had some strain. Don was lonely because he spent so much time with people at the church. She was trying to lose weight because she felt like Nick had lost interest in her. Sweet baby Annette had seen her crying a few times. She had even had a complete breakdown at a baby shower. But, like, who hasn't done that? Nick starts to do marriage counseling at the church. <laughs> He's like barely married and he had a prophecy that his wife was going to die and that he was going to be with the church secretary. But he's the one they picked to give marital counseling advice. Good choice. So we should also clarify that the only two people are aware of what the actual prophecy is are Sandy and Nick. He never told Don you're going to die. Right. Yeah. So um, I should say the guy that writes the book that's super sassy, he and Mank are just spilling the tea together. They're yeah. just gossip mode and it's adorable. Oh, yeah. So sweet little naive Annette and Craig, they started getting marriage counseling from Nick, which was the worst decision they ever made. So surprise, surprise, apparently when Nick is counseling these couples, the man is usually kicked out of the room and Nick spends his time alone with the women. This is my favorite. Nick thought that Annette needed to trust God more. So to demonstrate that... He had her do a trust fall with him, not with her husband, Craig, but with him, the youth pastor. And she describes it to Mank like she doesn't think he knows what a trust fall is or that any of us know what a trust fall is because apparently she was never in junior high or went to camp. But you are saying this very judgy, like people should know what a trust fall is. This is not everyone knows what a trust fall is. Incorrect. You went to a theater school. I knew it way before then. What a trust fall was. I didn't. It's when you lean backwards and someone catches you. You fall backwards. Yeah, you fall backwards and someone catches you. Now, Mankey goes, and he's trying so hard to be nice. He's trying not to smile. He says, usually in marriage counseling, the 
the counselor would have the wife trust fall onto the husband to to build trust with your spouse and not with the counselor you silly silly simple sweet annette and he's really trying to control this smirk but he can't really and i'm here for it and annette just goes wow she had no clue wow she had no idea that that's what the purpose of a trust fall was and thought it was totally normal. And then Mank kind of feeds her what was happening. And he says, it kind of seems like Nick was drawing you to him by promising you this closer relationship with God. And she's like, yeah, I can, I can see that. She really has zero idea what has happened to her. So then we go and we meet the head pastor again, Robert Biley, the self-proclaimed prophet. And he was getting complaints that Nick was spending way too much private time with a married lady in the church. And guess who that lady was? Sandy Glass. Mm-hmm. So Biley goes to Nick, and apparently it's very important for Dateline to determine how quickly he spoke to him about this because Mank is like, how quickly did you speak to him about it? And Robert Biley goes, right away. And Josh goes, next day? And he goes, same day. Like... <laughs> Thank, what? I thank, missed that whole thing. Really? You, That's funny. Thank you, Mankey, for clarifying how quickly he did it. He took it very seriously. Okay. But not now we know. not seriously enough to follow through because oh. he tells Nick to stop seeing Sandy Glass and he does not stop seeing Sandy Glass. You mean seeing Sandy Glass for marriage counseling? No. He had been spending a lot of time behind closed doors with the married Sandy Glass and it was causing a lot of rumors. Her husband was upset. We don't but know what they was happening. also in the marriage counseling process that Nick had been doing? Was yes, in but the that... hu- again, the husband is usually kicked out of the room. So people are t- starting to talk. So Nick says he'll stop, but he doesn't stop. And Sandy is still getting prophecies that she's going to be with Nick. And now God is saying she's going to be with him sometime after December 18th. They are going to be together after something happens to Dawn on December 18th and on December 19th they could be together. Hanky asked Pastor Biley, which keeps autocorrecting on my computer to Bile, so just bear that in mind. Okay. I feel like that's important. Hanky says, Do you think that Nick was somehow feeding these prophecies that Dawn was gonna die to Sandy? And Biley says there's another option that she was being fed these prophecies by a demonic force that was speaking to her. And then they cut away, and unfortunately, we never got to see Mankey's reaction to that. So he said that she was being fed. Okay. So basically, Josh says, okay, do we think Sandy is making up these prophecies that Dawn is going to die and she's going to be with Nick? Or do you think Nick was somehow feeding these prophecies to Sandy? These are the earthly options. And Biley says, well, there's a third option which is that she was hearing prophecies, but they weren't coming from God. They were coming from a demonic force that is speaking to her. And then they cut away, and we don't get to see what Mankey's reaction was to that. We also don't get to hear the end of that, because I guarantee you that demon had a name. And I'm sure that that conversation was 15 minutes longer. (laughs) So we need to note that for future conversation with Mankey. Yeah. And say... What what did he actually say? What was the name? Of, did he name the demon? Yes. Was it and Lilith? Has it, and has it been cast out? Yeah. Sorry, Lilith. Um. So don't apologize to Lilith. We got schooled on Lilith last yeah, time. Yeah, we did. We okay. Did. So now Dawn, Nick's wife, she's starting to feel like something is going to happen to her. She starts saying things like, "If I die, I'm good with God," which is very weird. But December 19th passes and she's still alive, or December 18th. So December 26th, the day after Christmas, Nick goes to the house. Oh, Nick leaves the house to go duck hunting. Does God approve of duck hunting for sport? Sure. Okay, I I disagree. So Nick's house catches fire while he is gone duck hunting, and Dawn is killed. She is burned in her bed beyond recognition. That is so sad. It's terrible. Beyond that terrible. That is horrifying. Yeah. And she seemed, she was a very sweet lady by all accounts. It's really sad. So here we go again with Pastor Biley. I mean, this, okay, 
this is where Byleaf should have his own episode. I can't believe you don't agree. He needs a spinoff, just like okay. Mickey. So Bailey says he had church members doing work in Africa, bringing people back from the dead. Mm. Now, remember, this is Dateline. This is not Buffy, who died like 27 times and she was brought back and I was fine with it. This is Dateline. Respawn. I don't know what that means. That's video games. That's what happens. You when just you get... die and then you respawn. Oh, okay. Okay. Mankey wipes the smirk off his face. He is in profesh reporter mode. He proves mm-hmm. once again why he's a champion. Because I would have fallen off my chair. Bailey says that he offered, he goes to the scene of the fire, and he's comforting Nick, and he offers to bring Dawn back from the dead, basically. Mankey says, so Nick said, sure. But Bailey says, Nick said no way. Now, I don't feel like either one of those is an appropriate response to being asked if you want to bring your wife back from the dead because i feel like sure is what you say if you say i'm going to starbucks do you want me to get you a drink sure and then um but i know josh was just being joshy but if nick really said no way i don't like that either because i don't know if it was like uh gag me with a spoon no way or if it was like did he wave his hand away like if someone offers you extra bread at dinner and you're like no way i'm good no wave your hand what, what I don't understand why you're caught up on that fact and not the fact that he probably said no way because if they're bringing people back from the dead in Africa, what's probably happening is a pet cemetery type scenario where the thing comes back, but it's not the same and it's got bad things attached to it. You brought it back from the dead and now it's kind of a demon zombie. You're talking, you're thinking of the, the bear hand, the bear paw. And it has to From sit- that short story. No, I'm not. I'm talking about Pet Cemetery, Stephen King, where you bring the pet back from the dead and then it tries to murder you and your family and you have to keep it locked in the basement. So yes, he has his wife back, wife in quotes, but she's evil Okay, and she has to stay in the basement. So he doesn't want her back. I don't think he watched a lot of Stephen King and I don't, know. I don't think that that's why, but I believe that the impression Bailey got was he just didn't want his wife back. Mm-hmm. He just was like, "No thanks, I'm good. Well, I'm all good. It's okay. If you go no, to Star, if you go to Starbucks, I'll have something. But um, yeah. I'm but I'm o- I'm right okay now. with you not bringing her back. Dawn's death is ruled an accident from a space heater, and Mank starts to ask Sweet Annette, "Did you? What did you think about Dawn dying?" And she says, uh, he, "He says to her, did you see that Dawn?" died as kind of proof that Nick really was getting these prophecies because he had said something bad will happen to me. And she goes, yeah. Oh, boy. I'm starting to think that Annette is not the sharpest tack, the brightest brightest bulb. So Annette offers to help Pastor Nick with the insurance paperwork. So they're working together. And this is only a couple weeks after the death. And he says, what would you do if I said I wanted to run you upstairs and make mad passionate love to you? Barf. Disgusting. Barf. With his Kool-Aid mouth. So yeah. he, she says she thought it was grief talking. So she kind of was like, no, stop that. Nick keeps pushing it. And the next couple of weeks, he keeps telling her that God has a new plan for him. God is up to something new, and it involves the two of them boning. She says, no, I'm married. And he says, that's just an excuse to take a risk to perform a real act of Christian love. Oh, for goodness sakes. God wants you to have sex with me. Don't say no to God, Annette. God wants you to give me physical comfort. So she agrees. To meet Nick at a hotel, a Ramada, mm-hmm. and Mank is in shock. He says, well, what's that like? Fun, sexy, intriguing? And Annette is kind of traumatized, and she says, no, it was a huge mistake, the biggest mistake of my life. But she keeps doing it for, like, months. Bear in mind, in this whole interview, Annette's husband, Craig, is sitting right next to her, supporting Thank you. her. 
Thank you. I was just going to say it. He the whole time. Yes. I mean, it, he's an angel. He, Speak up, Craig. He says Speak nothing. Up. He like pats her comfortingly. He does. Yeah. So, I think he just feels like he treats her like a victim. Like she was yes. taken advantage yes. of, which is actually the right way to handle that. I think so too. I think he's an angel and I yeah. feel really bad for him and and her. I'll get in, a little more into that later. But okay. Nick is Nick is not just doing this to Annette. Nick is coming on to every woman in the congregation. And as the book writer says, he's getting a lot of takers. He is spending time with Sandy Glass, who is now broken up with her husband after counseling with Nick. There's another chick whose husband had left after counseling with Nick. Then there's, remember the old head pastor who got pushed away because he wasn't speaking to demons enough or whatever, exercising people enough. Yeah, because there were three original pastors, right? Yeah, There's he Nick, helped, Biley, and then And this Bob other guy, Bob, yeah, who yeah, founded, yeah. Mm-hmm. He founded the church. He was fairly uh, traditional. He was not that outlandish, the screaming, the chanting, the exercising, right. the speaking in tongues. So his 19-year-old daughter was doing a missions trip in Africa and Nick is sending her naughty emails that say things like, God desires to touch you. So she's bringing back bodies from the dead in Africa uh-huh. and then getting sexy emails yes. from mouth-breathing maybe punch Nick. Maybe pics of his you-know-what. Who is way older than her. Way, way older. older than 19. Way older. And his wife just died. And he's There's s- a glaring omission here that we're going to get to, but I'm just... Just saying. Okay. There's, there's something that's missing in this picture. We'll see if you figured it out. Okay. Yeah. The there's a lot of things missing, like common sense. But yeah. Well, that's true. There's something else. Okay. Also, condoms, I feel like we're missing. I hope they weren't no. missing. Were no. they using protection? <laughs> no. Here's the, that's the thing that's missing. There are no offspring happening in so this maybe, situation. Maybe he was using condoms. So, or when they're not talked about, we'll, we'll get to it. I have a theory on it. Okay, okay. Go ahead. So, Sweet Simple Annette is now having sex with Nick on a regular basis. And Ugh. here's a good thing that happened. One time, Annette says she can't meet him because she has to watch her baby, speaking of offspring, her baby with her husband, Craig. And what does Nick say so that she'll come to the hotel? Give the baby cold medicine. Annette's reaction is, yeah, that was bad. And at this point, Annette's long-suffering husband, Craig, squeezes her leg in support. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Did she do it? She did it. No, she did do it. She did do it. She did do it. I don't like babies that much, but I don't support drugging them. I just want a hot take from Kimberly. Let's make that clear. Hubby, don't squeeze her leg at that point in the interview. But seriously, get yourself a man who supports you after you drug your baby so you can go sleep with your pastor. That is relationship goals. That's support. He's like the wonder bra of support. What is that quote? I don't I don't know what you're doing. He's like the wonder bra of friends. What's that from? Mean Girls? I, I don't, don't know. know. You're, you're stealing it. Okay. That's okay. Yeah, I'm definitely stealing it. So Nick is going on what Mank calls the circuit of sympathy. And the sassy author calls it the sympathy tour. Which made wow. me laugh because I felt like it was the 2009 Sympathy Tour. They have the mm-hmm. best merch and production value. Sold out venues. Get yourself a t-shirt. Nick is sleeping his way around the church, including, now Mank has to give us this clarifying. He says, you heard that right after they say what he's about to say. You heard that right. So listeners, listen up. He's sleeping around, including... You heard that right. Dawn's mother. His dead wife's mother. Now, I don't know if that's not an OMG moment. I don't know what is. She's the mom. She's old. She's, it's all kinds of ick that like he did something with his mother-in-law's Clovis. And so we should, the mother Diana has been interviewed this entire time. We probably should have built up to that, that you have seen her along Mm -hmm. this episode being interviewed about her daughter dawn and about dawn and so when they drop this bomb that diana also fell prey to nick's sexual wiles it's unreal 
She looks because she like is, she's a mom. She's a mom. She, she looks like she's I don't know how old. Sixties, sixties, maybe older. Maybe 60. older. She looks like a woman who quilts, which is Scrapbooks. fine. Again, I do both of those things. I don't quilt, but I I knit and things like that. But she looks she like she looks, might have trouble driving at night. She definitely needs needs extra help driving at night. Yeah, she is a mom. Of grandma age. Yes. She could be, a, easily be a grandma. Yes. And he sleeps with her. And he goes after yeah. Diana. So the <laughs> the way that they're dealing with this on Dateline is so good because the author is listing all the women that Nick slept with and Mank interrupts and says, and Dawn's mother. And the author goes, yeah, that was really hard. And I don't know if he's saying it was hard for him to write about in the book because he yes. was too busy vomiting yes. or it was hard for Dawn's mother or if it was just hard on the, the human spirit. Yeah. I Yes. So number one and number three. Okay. Yes. So yeah. Dawn's mom willingly sleeps with Nick multiple times after her daughter dies. Oh, my gosh. What happened? This is not – first of all, we are not in – I want this to be in a remote no, it's, area. No, it's outside like Seattle. In, I want it to be somewhere where there aren't a lot of people, aren't a lot of churches. This is the only church in the area. We are talking about this is going on in a major metropolitan area, and these people are being bamboozled mm-hmm. by a, a mouth breather. He is. He's yes. a classic mouth breather. It, there's not The picture we see of him is just, you know who that kid is. Yes. So Dawn's mom was grieving, and she says it was their way of grieving together. It gets worse, people. She says she hoped that she could be Dawn for him since he missed her daughter. Like, she could make love to him the way her daughter did, and I'm vomiting in my mouth. I I seriously, I have a headache. I can't. I need to take an ibuprofen. It gets so much worse. So she gives this romantic gesture of let me be with you the way my daughter was because I know you miss her. And guess guess what Nick says? He says, no, I don't want you to be Dawn. I want you to be yourself. I'm going to lose my mind. I mean, it would be a good line if it wasn't so disgusting. No, it's not a good line. I, but here's my problem. So first he doesn't want Dawn brought back from the dead. And now he doesn't want someone to pretend to be Dawn in bed. Did he even like Dawn at all? He would rather have sex with full on Dawn's mom. Knowing that it's Dawn's mom. She's being herself. She's not pretending to be Dawn. She's not like wearing a wig. Who is probably the same age as Nick's mom. So it's basically Nick having sex with his mom. It's super Oedipal. And now we're... But he would prefer that than her pretending to be someone much younger and someone who he actually married in his generation. But I, okay, I do want to take a step back. I want to say, as gross as this is, I do think that Dawn's mom is really brave for going on the show. Absolutely. I cannot believe she went on Dateline. I would never. Never. Annette also, and Craig, I mean, they're opening up their dirty laundry and their greatest shame. And they're going to get judged with a capital G. We are judging. I am full on judging. Did you say capital Capital G? Capital J. Yeah, and I had to think about it, too. Was that a joke? No, I stopped and was like, G. G isn't the right letter. It's J. I thought you were doing a joke, like a quote from something. No, this episode is making me dumb. Yeah, It's making me lose my marbles. The it's infuriating because it's cult mentality almost that that they're so dedicated to the church in a way that's so unhealthy. Yes, yes, absolutely. This is that the- all of these things sort of fly out the window and this becomes normal. Mm-hmm. It's not normal. Are you are you out of your mind? Right. But now, in hindsight, they believe that it was wrong. Annette Good. and Don's mom both feel horrible about what they've done. Annette was becoming really depressed and feeling guilty. She was almost suicidal about what she was doing with the pastor. Her husband thought she was depressed over Dawn's death. It's just, it's a whole cluster F. So finally, Nick decides that he wants to marry one of these very special church ladies that he's been sleeping with. And he stops sleeping with everyone else. He's going to marry this one lady. That doesn't make Sandy Glass very happy, Who also was married 
and then got marriage counseling from Nick. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, Nick's going to marry. Yeah. Yes. So it's been a couple years now. And he's been sleeping with just that one gal. Annette finds out that Nick was also sleeping with Sandy Glass that whole time. And she finally, years later, puts two and two together and is like, hey, maybe God didn't want me to sleep with my pastor. And she tells her husband what happened. This is a couple years out. She tells Craig, I slept with Pastor Nick. So Craig feels like his wife is a victim. And he sets up a meeting with Sandy Glass and the old pastor guy whose 19-year-old daughter was being flirted with by Nick. And Mm -hmm. it's now been three and a half years since Dawn died. Sandy Glass finds out about this meeting that's going to happen. She's been invited to this meeting. And she she figures out that Craig is on to Nick. So she hires a lawyer and she goes to the police. She tells the police that, yes, she was sleeping with Nick while they both were married and that they were even looking at wedding rings. Ew. Barf. She was having these prophecies that Dawn was going to die on December 18th. On December 19th, Nick called her in tears because God hadn't kept his word. So Sandy, yeah. So Sandy conveniently has another prophecy. Shocker. God tells her, tell Nick that his hands are no longer tied, which they take to mean that Nick has permission to do God's will. His hands are no longer tied. Eight days later, the fire kills Dawn. Later that day, Nick calls Sandy Glass and says, it's done. Now they can be together. She's basically a murderer. Pastor Biley, who knew that Nick was up to some shady stuff with Sandy Glass, said nothing to the police when the fire happened. So they just thought her death was an accident. It was ruled as an accident. Yes. It was ruled by everyone as an accident. They were, it was freezing cold. They were having house construction in their house. It was really normal for him to set a space heater. And then he said it caught the construction materials on fire. It was something very specific. He had a very specific way that it had happened. But, but there was no smoke in her lungs. Correct. So it appeared that she died before the fire. So now why didn't that, why was that then still ruled an accident? Did they not do an autopsy? No, that's how they found that there was no smoke in her lungs. But when did they do the autopsy? Three years later? No. This is my They found that out right at the time of the fire. But because they didn't know anything about the affair with Sandy Glass or anything shady, they just believed it was the fire, the heaters, and I don't know, incompetent police. Mark it off your bingo cards. But that's but that's frustrating because obviously if they're doing an autopsy, they think it's foul play, right? Because the body is burned so badly. Well, not necessarily. Sometimes they do it as just a matter of routine, I think. Do they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, so <laughs> Sandy says that Nick told her the story of what happened. So he had gotten this prophecy that his hands were no longer tied. He's laying in bed with his wife, and he hears God say, take the land which he took to mean go for what you want <laughs> take the land i'm sorry i'm gonna say did that you, to you next time did you, you you know it's not take the land right no what is it <laughs> it's take the lamb no i think it's land no it's lamb L-A-M-B. I thought it was land. I thought it was like seize what belongs to you. Like what is this, Oklahoma? Yes. Take the land. Yes. (laughs) I think you're wrong. L-A-M-B. Lamb. Abraham. Lamb. No, look at this. I'm looking it up. And if the subtitles say land, it's wrong. Listen to this. Church sermon series called Take the Land. Time to Take the Land sermon by Mark something. Caleb quoted the people and said, we should go up and take possession of the land. You are in possession of the land and settle it. There's a sermon here called Take the Land. Okay, go ahead and look at Take the Lamb. Let's take the land. There's a hymn. Let's take the land, the land that God has given us. Be strong and take it for we can make it. It can't be. It's Take the Lamb. 
Take the Back the Land is an American organization. Oh, okay, stop that's that. something take, about homeless people. Can you people. please Google Take the Lamb? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm getting a lot of videos on how to debone a leg of lamb. <laughs> if any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one. That's from Exodus. It's gotta be how lamb. to care for a rejected lamb. Leg oh, of lamb sad. recipe. All right. Stuff about Passover and the shank of lamb. The lamb leg, whatever. Um, I believe I was right. And that you, Christian lady, laughed in my face for like 20 minutes. That might be a little long. But that's how long it felt. Take the land. It's all these videos. Take the land. Here, Joshua, part one. Take the land. There's a sermon right there. It's freaking take the land. I've never heard that before in my life. I'm so sorry, Katie, because I know well, the you Lamb don't... of God. The Lamb of God is like a whole thing. Yes, but they specifically said, I think, in the video that it was about Israel taking back. I don't know. It was some. They said it in the Dateline episode. They said Josh Mankiewicz did a voiceover. He said referring to so and so Moses, whoever taking the land that was rightfully theirs or whatever it was. Take the land. He even referred to it land. I did laugh in your face. I apologize. For like an hour. Again, that might be a long stretch of time, but it felt like an hour. And I'm sorry that I'm right once again. Oh, I'm going to be really upset. Are you finding that I was right and that you were wrong? It's take the land. (laughs) An Old Testament phrase urging Jews to take Palestine. So not only are you right, it's in association with your peeps. Thank you. And I totally thought it was take the lamb. And I may have had a title based around lambs. And you laughed in my face. I laughed in your face. I am so meanly. Apologies all around. It was not mean. It was joyous because I thought I was so right. I know. You really want to be right one of these days. And you were a dummy. And instead, you're again much smarter than me. No, again, you solved the escape room. I would have died in that thing. I feel like I'm back in May. Are we in May again? No. Is this May all over again? No, it's June. It's June 3rd. So we're good. We're fine in June. Yeah. We'll be okay in June. Yeah. Okay. Going back to this. Okay. Sorry. Taking the land. Take, he heard God say, take the land, which he okay. took to mean, take, go for what you want, uh-huh. do it. And Sandy had told him, God said, your hands aren't tied. So he overdoses Dawn with Benadryl. Which is so doubly disturbing when you think about yep. how he told Annette to drug the baby with cold medicine. Yep. That is, that's so disturbing. That baby could have died. It's so gross. So that he used the same thing. And they do an autopsy and there was a ton of cold medicine in her bloodstream. And again, there was no smoke in her lungs. But again, it didn't raise any red flags. So... Sandy says that Nick admitted to her that he then suffocated Dawn with a plastic bag and then sets the house on fire. So he's a straight up killer. killer. Yes. So they arrest Nick, who I... But again, how is Nick getting all these ladies? And even the the cop, the policewoman, is like, him? How is this happening? Yeah. I he must be really charismatic in person. I don't even know. He, a youth pastor requires immense charismatic. Yes. Yeah. 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 If that's a word I can coin. Sure. So Sandy makes a deal with police so that she is safe by telling them all this. Okay. They make themselves feel better. By safe you mean safe from prosecution. Correct. And the police make themselves feel better by convincing themselves that Sandy wasn't the mastermind that Nick was manipulating her. And mm. Dawn's mother is super angry at Sandy because she feels like this whole thing happened because she instigated it. But Dawn's mom, still very spiritual, doesn't believe that Sandy made up these prophecies. She believes that she did hear these things, but like Biley said, they were from the devil, which I think is BS and letting Sandy off the hook. I think we all should come to the conclusion that Sandy is either evil and just made up all this so she could be with the guy she loved or cray cray and is hearing voices and needs medication. Mm -hmm. Does that seem valid? Yeah. I think she was totally doing this for her own self good because she wanted to be with the pastor. No, I think, no, I think she's, I think she's a psychopath. Okay. 
Um, I think she's messing stuff up on purpose. I yeah, think she's I do too. Bored and uh huh. Yeah, and using because you know, these Christianity prophecies in a way that's yeah. Yes, and they come so coincidentally, like right when they're supposed to. Right, you know? of course. Convenient yes, prophecies. Correct. So Nick is found guilty. Craig and Annette, thank God, have somehow stayed together over the years. Craig is a saint. He totally forgives Annette, and they found another church. But in a in a very non-Annette way, she says something very astute. She says she realizes that church is a place where people can get absolute power and that absolute power corrupts and can be mm-hmm. very dangerous. So mm-hmm. she's very wary of that. And it seems like Annette is perhaps a little smarter after this ordeal. Mm-hmm. Hanky and the author of the book, they talk about how these church people, their whole, their only sin was just being too trusting. Even though the Bible, doesn't it say, beware false prophets? And yes. that's literally exactly what happened to them? Yes. Okay. So Mankey says it's amazing to him that Craig and Annette haven't lost their faith. And that right. and and then Annette just has to kill me one more time by being a total dope. She says, right on. And that's how the episode ends. And I was like, I was rooting for you, Annette. We were all rooting for you. And then you say, right on. But I still like her. And I still think she's brave for being on the show. Yeah. Okay. 